0: This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of leg length discrepancy from the pediatric section on orthobullets.com. Let's start this episode with a quick summary. Leg length discrepancy is a common condition that may be caused by a congenital defect, disruption of the physis, or a paralytic disorder and presents with limb length asymmetry of varying magnitude. Diagnosis is made with block testing and radiographic scanography. CT studies can be used to calculate leg length discrepancy in the presence of contractures. Treatment is observation with or without true lifts for differences of less than two centimeters at skeletal maturity. Surgical intervention is indicated for differences greater than two centimeters with different techniques depending on the discrepancy magnitude and remaining skeletal growth. Now let's get into the episode. With respect to epidemiology, a two centimeter leg length discrepancy occurs in up to two thirds of the population. Common causes of leg length discrepancy include congenital disorders, paralytic disorders, and physis disruption. Examples of congenital disorders include hemihypertrophy, dysplasias, proximal femoral focal deficiency, developmental dysplasia of the hip, and unilateral clubfoot. Examples of paralytic disorders include spasticity from cerebral palsy and polio. Physis disruption can be from infection, trauma, or tumor. Associated conditions with leg length discrepancy include back pain, osteoarthritis, functional scoliosis, inefficient gait, and equinus contracture of the ankle. As far as back pain, there is an increased prevalence of back pain with leg length discrepancy. With respect to osteoarthritis, decreased coverage of the femoral head on the long leg side leads to osteoarthritis 84% of the time. The classification of leg length discrepancy can be divided into static or progressive, Static refers to malunion of the femur or the tibia, and progressive refers to fissile growth arrest or congenital issues in which absolute discrepancy increases and the proportion stays the same. As far as the presentation of leg length discrepancy, patients are usually asymptomatic. Physical exam should include block testing, tape measurement, as well as evaluation for hip, knee, and ankle contractures. Block testing is done with the patient standing, and then you will add blocks under the short leg until the pelvis is level, then measure the blocks to determine the discrepancy. Block testing is considered the best initial screening method. With respect to tape measurement, measure from the anterior superior iliac spine to the medial malleolus with a tape measure. Finally, as far as evaluation for hip, knee, and ankle contractures, keep in mind that these contractures can affect apparent limb length and hip adduction contracture causes apparent shortening of the adducted side. As far as imaging, recommended radiographs include teleorotinography or scanography, in which you will measure the discrepancy with a single exposure from two meters away, and bone-age hand films to determine bone age with a bone-age x-ray, which is typically a hand x-ray. CT scanography is the most accurate diagnostic test with contractures of the hip, knee, or ankle. With respect to leg length discrepancy projections as far as general assumptions, growth continues until 16 years in boys and 14 years in girls. Methods to project leg length discrepancy and maturity include the Mosley graph or the estimation technique in which it's important to know that the leg grows 23 millimeters per year with most of that coming from the knee at 15 millimeters per year. Specifically the proximal femur grows 3 millimeters per year or 1 8 of an inch per year the distal femur grows nine millimeters per year, or three-eighths of an inch per year, the proximal tibia grows six millimeters per year, or a quarter of an inch per year, and the distal tibia grows five millimeters per year, or three-sixteenths of an inch per year. Leg length discrepancy projections can be tracked with Green-Anderson tables, which uses extremity length for a given age. The Mosley straight line graph improves on the Green-Anderson method by reformatting the data in a graph form. This accounts for differences between skeletal and chronologic age and minimizes error as it averages serial measurements. The multiplier method is a prediction based on multiplying the current discrepancy by a sex and age specific factor. This is the most accurate for congenital leg length discrepancy. The multiplier method allows for prediction of half of the final leg length in girls at age three and boys at age four. As far as treatment of leg length discrepancy, this can be treated non operatively or operatively. Non operative options include shoe lift or observation only, which is indicated when there's less than 2 centimeters of projected leg length discrepancy at maturity. As far as outcomes, non operative management is not associated with scoliosis or back pain. Operative options include shortening of the long side via epiphysiodesis of the femur, tibia, or both, limb lengthening of the short side, fissile bar excision, or amputation and prosthetic fitting. Shortening of the long side via epiphysiodesis of the femur, tibia, or both is indicated when there's 2 to 5 centimeters of projected leg length discrepancy. Limb lengthening of the short side is indicated when there's greater than 5 centimeters of projected leg length discrepancy. Lengthening is often combined with a shortening procedure, such as an epiphysiodesis or ostectomy, on the long side. Physial bar excision is indicated when there's a bony bridge that involves less than 50% of the physis, and when there's at least two years left of growth. Amputation and prosthetic fitting is indicated when there's a non reconstructable limb, and when there's greater than 20 centimeters of projected leg length discrepancy. Now let's go over some surgical techniques, specifically distraction osteogenesis from the Elizarov principles. As far as the initiation of distraction osteogenesis, you will perform an osteotomy and place a fixator. A metaphyseal corticotomy is done to preserve the medullary canal and the blood supply. As far as distraction, you will wait 5 to 7 days, then begin distraction. You will distract approximately 1 mm per day. Again, you will distract approximately 1 mm per day. Following distraction, you will keep the fixer on for as many days as you lengthened. As far as concurrent procedures, you may lengthen over a nail so the X-Fix can be removed sooner. Lengthening is often combined with a shortening procedure such as an epiphysiodesis or an ostectomy on the long side. Some complications to be aware of include incomplete arrest slash angular deformity. This is typically seen in an open technique or a percutaneous technique. Other complications include pin side infections, fracture, delayed union, premature cessation of lengthening, persistent limb length discrepancy due to error in timing of the surgery, joint subluxation slash dislocation, or mechanical axis deviation. Remember that lengthening along the anatomical axis of the femur leads to a lateral mechanical axis deviation. Shortening along the anatomical axis of the femur leads to medial mechanical axis deviation. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, You are planning on performing a distal femur and proximal tibia percutaneous epiphysiodesis for a limb length discrepancy confirmed by Scanogram. Which of the following patient examples would result in the most equal limb lengths at skeletal maturity? And the choices are one, 14-year-old girl with a 3.1 centimeter leg length discrepancy. Two, 12-year-old boy with a 4.6 centimeter leg length discrepancy. Three, 12-year-old girl with a 4.6 centimeter leg length discrepancy. 4 13 year old boy with a 4.6 centimeter leg length discrepancy, and 5 15 year old boy with a 3.1 centimeter leg length discrepancy. The correct answer to this question is 4 13 year old boy with a 4.6 centimeter leg length discrepancy. So this patient has an estimated 3 years left of growth remaining. An epiphysiodesis of the proximal tibia and distal femur for three years would achieve the most equal limb lengths. To quickly review, limb length discrepancies are broadly divided into static and progressive discrepancies. Static leg length discrepancies are commonly a result of extraficial trauma and lead to a leg length discrepancy that does not change over time. Progressive leg length discrepancies result from ficial injury or congenital abnormalities. It is estimated that boys reach skeletal maturity at age 16 and girls at age 14. The patient in this question has four years of growth remaining. In the lower extremity, the estimated growth at each of the physis near skeletal maturity or proximal femur is 0.3 cm per year, distal femur at 0.9 cm per year, proximal tibia at 0.6 cm per year, and distal tibia at 0.5 cm per year. Performing an epiphysiodesis of the distal femur and proximal tibia results in 1.5 cm per year growth loss on the operative extremity per year. In this case, doing this for 3 years would result in an estimated near equalization of the limb lengths with a starting leg length discrepancy of 4.6 cm. Menlaus described an arithmetic method of leg length discrepancy correction by epiphysiodesis using only the chronological age. He notes that this method works best in patients near skeletal maturity and should not be used for children under the age of 8. Little et al. reviewed 71 epiphyseodesis performed for leg length discrepancy. They compared three different prediction methods to determine their accuracy. Anderson and Green, Menlaus and Mosley. They determined that all of the methods were equally accurate and that there is a proportion of patients that have unpredictable results advocated for the use of the Menlaus method, which is based only on chronological age as it was the most simple to use and resulted in equivalent prediction accuracy. Moving on to the next question. A 12-year-old boy is evaluated for limb length inequality. He has a history of osteomyelitis of the left distal femur that was successfully treated. He is otherwise healthy with no other past medical history. Standing full length radiographs confirm a limb length discrepancy of 20 millimeters attributable to differences in the lengths of the femora. Radiographs of the knee show complete closure of the left distal femoral physis with no angular deformity. If left untreated, what is the projected limb length discrepancy at maturity? And the choices are 1 2 centimeters, 2 3 centimeters, 3 4 centimeters, 4 6 centimeters and five, 10 centimeters. The correct answer to this question is four, six centimeters. So this patient has a limb length inequality secondary to a distal femur growth arrest following osteomyelitis. With four years of growth remaining, the differential growth of the distal femur will be 10 millimeters times four years, which equals four centimeters of additional discrepancy in addition to the existing two centimeters. Lower extremity growth estimations can be approximated by the arithmetic method. That is the proximal femur is approximately three millimeters of growth per year, or 1/8 inch per year. The distal femur is nine to 10 millimeters per year, or three 8 of an inch per year. The proximal tibia is six millimeters per year, or a quarter of an inch per year. And the distal tibia is five millimeters per year, or three sixteenths of an inch per year. This method is the most accurate in the final years of growth and are less accurate for younger children. Use of these to predict growth remaining is based on the assumption that boys stop growing at age 16 and girls at age 14. The chief advantage of this method is its convenience and ease of calculation, particularly for test-taking purposes. In clinical practice, the Mosley or Paley methods to predict ultimate discrepancy and timing of treatment are used more often. Langenskold noted growth disturbance after osteomyelitis in seven children affecting either the medial or lateral distal femur. Onset of infection was in the first four weeks of life. Angular deformities of 20 to 50 degrees were found in late follow-up and were treated with supracondylar osteotomy. Moving on to the next question, where is the physis with the highest growth rate in millimeters per year located? And the choices are one, proximal humerus, two, distal femur, three, distal tibia, and four, distal radius. The correct answer to this question is two, distal femur. So the distal femur averages 9 millimeters to 11 millimeters in growth per year, the proximal humerus is 7 millimeters per year, the distal tibia is 4 millimeters to 5 millimeters per year, and the distal radius is 5 millimeters to 6 millimeters per year. Moving on to the next question, a 13-year-old boy was evaluated for leg length difference his pelvis balanced when a one inch or 2.54 centimeter block was placed under his left foot. History revealed he had a left distal femur physial fracture treated with casting at age 10. Radiographs show normal limb alignment, but his left distal femoral physis is closed and his left femur is 2.5 centimeters shorter than the right. All other physes are open. His bone age is equal to his chronologic age. What surgical treatments will best equalize his discrepancy? And the choices are 1 right distal femoral and proximal tibia slash fibula epiphysiodesis, 2 right distal femoral epiphysiodesis, 3 right proximal tibia slash fibula epiphysiodesis, and 4 left proximal tibia slash fibula epiphysiodesis. The correct answer to this question is 1 right distal femoral and proximal tibia slash fibula epiphysiodesis. So because the left distal femoral physis is closed with the leg length difference already at one inch, epiphysiodesis of both the right distal femur and proximal tibia slash fibula is needed. The amount of correction will be the amount of growth remaining in the left proximal tibia. Presuming the standard rates of growth of 10 millimeters per year for the distal femur, 6 millimeters per year for the proximal tibia, and 4 millimeters per year of the distal tibia, this should yield a correction of 6 millimeters times 3 years or 1.8 centimeters by skeletal maturity at age 16. This would leave the boy with an acceptable discrepancy of 7 millimeters well under 1 inch or 2.54 centimeters. Closing only the right distal femoral physis will leave the discrepancy unchanged at 1 inch slash 2.54 centimeters because no growth differential will exist. Closing the right proximal tibia slash fibular physis would mean the left knee will grow at 6 millimeters per year, but the right will grow at 10 millimeters per year. The discrepancy would increase by 4 millimeters per year or 1.2 centimeters by skeletal maturity of age 16, leaving the boy 3.7 centimeters short on the left. Closing the left proximal tibia slash physis would increase the discrepancy at the rate of 1.6 centimeters per year times 3 years because both the right femoral and proximal tibia slash fibular physis would be growing, leaving the boy 4.8 plus 2.5 or 7.3 centimeters shorter on the left leg. Moving on to the next question. A 4-year-old child has a 3-centimeter limb length discrepancy, hemihypertrophy, and a large tongue. Additional tests should include which of the following, and the choices are 1, thyroid function studies, 2, CT scan of the hip, knee, and ankle to measure torsion, 3, echocardiogram and EKG, 4, MRI scan of the spine and CBC with differential, and 5, abdominal and pelvic ultrasounds and alpha-fetoprotein levels. The correct answer to this question is 5. Abdominal and Pelvic Ultrasounds and Alpha Fetoprotein Levels. So the child in the question stem likely has Beckwith-Weidman syndrome and up to a 10% chance for the development of a tumor, especially a Wilms tumor. Therefore, studies consisting of surveillance abdominal and pelvic ultrasounds and Alpha Fetoprotein levels 3-4 to times per year until age 8 are recommended. An echocardiogram is not needed in this population, nor is thyroid function studies, MRI scan of the spine, or a CT scan to address torsion. Moving on to the next question. An 8-year-old girl was treated for a Salter-Harris type 1 fracture of the right distal femur two years ago. She has symmetric knee flexion, extension, and frontal alignment to her contralateral knee. She has a 1 centimeter limb-like discrepancy of the femur. She has always been in the 50th percentile for height and her skeletal age matches her chronologic age. She has a complete fissial closure of the right distal femur. What is the expected limb length discrepancy at maturity? And the choices are one, three centimeters, two, six centimeters, three, 10 centimeters, four, 14 centimeters, and five, 18 centimeters. The correct answer to this question is 2, 6 centimeters. So the child has near complete central fysial arrest of the distal femur. She will develop worsening limb length discrepancy. She is growing at the average rate for the population. The distal femoral physis grows at a rate of 9 millimeters per year. Girls finish their growth roughly at 14 years. Thus at maturity, the uninjured side will be 6.4 centimeters longer than the injured side. Since she has not developed an angular deformity at this point and her arrest is central, she is unlikely to develop angular deformity in any plane. Moving on to the next question An 11 year old boy who is in the 75th percentile for height has a limb length discrepancy that is primarily in the femur and is estimated to be 4 centimeters at skeletal maturity. What is the best treatment option? And the choices are 1. Appropriately timed epiphysiodesis of the shorter leg. 2, appropriately timed epiphysiodesis of the longer leg. 3, appropriately timed epiphysiodesis of the longer leg and lengthening of the longer leg at skeletal maturity. 4, shortening of the longer leg at skeletal maturity. And 5, lengthening of the shorter leg at skeletal maturity. The correct answer to this question is 2, appropriately timed epiphysiodesis of the longer leg so limb length discrepancies that are estimated to be of less than 2 cm at the time of skeletal maturity often need no treatment. Those individuals with a discrepancy of between 2 and 6 cm should use a lift for temporary correction and consider an epiphysiodesis if the patient has enough growth remaining or possibly a shortening if the patient is already skeletally mature at the time of initial evaluation. Limb lengthening due to the high complication rate, scarring, and need to use an external fixator is typically reserved for larger limb length discrepancies. Moving on to the next question. Which of the following is considered the best method to measure limb length discrepancy in a patient with a knee flexion contracture? And the choices are 1. Obtain a standard scanogram. 2. Obtain a lateral CT scanogram. 3. Measure the distance from the anterior superior iliac spine to the medial malleolus. 4. Measure the distance from the umbilicus to the medial malleolus. And 5. Stand the patient on blocks to measure the difference in heights of the iliac wings. The correct answer to this question is 2. Obtain a lateral CT scanogram. So the most effective way to measure a limb length discrepancy in a patient with a knee flexion contracture is a lateral CT scanogram. All the other methods listed provide inaccurate results with a knee flexion contracture because the measurements are made in the coronal plane. Moving on to the next question. A 14-year-old boy undergoes application of a circular frame with tibial and fibular osteotomy for gradual limb lengthening. He initiates the lengthening seven days after surgery. During the first week of lengthening, he reports that turning of the distraction devices is becoming increasingly difficult. On the ninth day of lengthening, he is seen in the emergency department after feeling a pop in his leg and noting the acute onset of severe pain. What complication has most likely occurred? And the choices are 1. Joint subluxation and acute ligament rupture. 2. Incomplete corticotomy at the time of surgery with spontaneous completion and acute distraction. 3. Premature consolidation of the osteotomy with breakage of bone transfixion wire. 4. Fracture through the bone regenerate. And 5. Fracture of the tibia through a unicortical half-pin track. The correct answer to this question is 2. Incomplete corticotomy at the time of surgery with spontaneous completion and acute distraction so incomplete corticotomy may result from osteotomy with limited soft tissue stripping and exposure. When the patient begins distraction, tension develops at all wire half pin and bone interfaces, leading to increasing difficulty in distraction and limb pain. Sudden spontaneous completion of the osteotomy with continued tension applied by the fixator results in acute distraction of the osteotomy with severe pain. Premature consolidation is unlikely this early following the initial surgery. Moving on to the next question, a 14-year-old male patient with a leg length discrepancy undergoes a distal femoral and proximal tibial epiphysiodesis on the longer leg. What is the anticipated amount of correction achieved with this procedure in this child? And the choices are 1, 1. 1.6 centimeters, 2, 2 centimeters, 3, 3.2 centimeters, 4, 4 centimeters, and 5, 6.4 centimeters. The correct answer to this question is 3, 3.2 centimeters. Using the arithmetic method, the anticipated correction is 3.2 centimeters. That is 1 centimeter per year for the distal femur plus 0.6 centimeters per year for the proximal tibia times 2 years of growth remaining in boys. There are 4 common methods to determine leg length remaining. 1, growth remaining method. 2, the arithmetic method. 3, the straight line graphic method. And 4, the multiplier method. The arithmetic method is the easiest but least accurate. This method assumes a few basic principles. Growth of the distal femur is 1 cm per year, growth of the proximal tibia is 0.6 cm per year, and boys reach skeletal maturity at 16 years, and girls reach skeletal maturity at 14 years. And moving on to the final question, a 14-year-old boy has complete growth arrest of his left proximal tibia after a skateboarding injury. He currently has a three mm leg length discrepancy with the left shorter than the right. A radiograph of the patient's left hand, wrist, and fingers demonstrates a bone age of 14 years. What is the most appropriate management of this patient? And the choices are one, observation, two, left tibia lengthening, three, right tibia epiphysiodesis, four, right femur epiphysiodesis, and five, amputation. The correct answer to this question is one, observation. So based on the arithmetic method for prediction of limb length discrepancy, the patient in question has about two years of growth remaining, and it can be calculated that his tibia will be shortened by about 15 millimeters at maturity. That is if we assume six millimeters per year for the proximal tibia times two years plus the existing three millimeters. Typically, leg length discrepancy at a maturity of less than two centimeters is treated non-operatively with observation and shoe lift if needed. Treatment is dictated by the leg length discrepancy and maturity not at the original presentation, so less than 2 cm is treated non-operatively, 2-5 cm is treated with epiphysiodesis or ostectomy, and greater than 5-6 cm is treated with limb lengthening and possible contralateral epiphysiodesis. Stanitsky discusses the presentation, prediction of discrepancy, and treatment of leg length discrepancy in children in her review article. The arithmetic method for prediction of leg length discrepancy is described as being based on four assumptions about growth. 1. Boys stop growing at age 16. 2. Girls stop growing at age 14. 3. The distal femoral physis grows 10mm yearly. And 4. The proximal tibia grows 6mm yearly. Friend et al. reviewed the recent developments in the surgical management of leg length discrepancy including the use of extraphyseal plates for guided growth and external fixators to correct length and angular deformity please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Also, if you aren't already, be sure to follow OrthoBullets on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube for daily high-yield content. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you all tomorrow right here on the OrthoBullets podcast.